risk in Easter eggs. Are you planning on going with someone? Would you like to go with me? Whose blood is that? Is that your blood? No. Fuck you, man. Welcome to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is the podcast for both indie horror filmmakers and fans. And this is where we want to talk about indie horror films that might not be on your radar, get you watching them. We also want to talk about the tools of the trade and help indie filmmakers out, get more indie horror films made. Uh, Because that's the whole point here. We want to see more indie horror films. We want more guys making indie horror films. And we want these indie horror films to be successful. Because if they're successful, we're going to get to see more of them. And that's really the whole point of this. So if you are into all this, uh, go to deadharvey.com. Follow us on Facebook and socials and all the other stuff. Uh, Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast so we get our numbers up and get more people listening to it. Like it, put some stars next to it, whatever that is, because um, realistically, the more people listen to us, the more, you know, when we talk to indie horror filmmakers or we we find more films, we can put them on other people's radars and get people watching because that's really what this is all about. Um, anyhow, getting right to it. I am Ted and this is Brad, and we are going to talk today about a couple, a couple projects that are on each other's radar, uh, that we've seen recently. And then we're going to do a bit of a dive into the New York city underground films of, I'm going to call it seventies, eighties, but we're going to talk about some guys that even went as far as the two thousands, because it's a whole kind of movement and scene out there in New York and it has a distinct look and feel. Um, and recently we were talking about Frank Henenlotter because we both love Basket Case and um, uh, Malignant, which uh, recently came out, uh, has a lot of nods to the original Basket Case. So uh, we're going to talk about that, too. So. So, yeah, first off, I, I'll talk about something that's on my radar because it's on Netflix. It's a Korean series. It's a limited series. And by the way, I think limited series are, are, are awesome. I, I, I think. Because it's like there's a story that's 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 too big to be told in one movie, but too small to be told like in a in a big long series. And the fact that Netflix and Amazon are getting into these limited series, I think, is pretty cool. But the one I watched is Squid Game. Uh, yes, um, is it Japanese or is it Korean? No, it's Korean. It? It's, okay, it's okay. Korean. And well, first off, I've seen enough Korean films in my time, including the Academy Award winning. Uh, uh, oh hell, what was it called? Uh, from last year oh parasite parasite like, yeah which, great movie which, yeah yeah which is awesome yeah and uh but like having seen a lot of korean films over the years i mean they, they make some messed up stuff so i'm yeah. always kind of interested and even when you go to parasite you can tell it deals with messed up themes and makes them seem kind yeah. of kind of real and and squid game i don't let too much out. i think it's nine episode hopefully there's more of it because they do leave it on a cliffhanger at the end that there could be more of them but there's so many things in it that I think are awesome. Uh, one, like giving it a, like without giving anything away, it's about a game show that desperate people go on. So people who are like piles of debt, they give them a way out. They're like, Hey, we have this game. It's, it's kind of like a game show, even though it's not a game show, but they go compete. And basically they take 300 people and put them in this compound 
and they're competing. Uh, and, and what happens is, well, there's going to be one man standing at the end and they get, it's like something like $4.5 billion or something like that, but it says yeah. billion, billion one. I don't know if that's, that could be like 5 million bucks. I don't know, but it all starts with like, they're going around and finding these desperate people to recruit them. And the next thing you know, they wake up and they're in this like super colorful and, and, and the cinematography around it is really cool. Like they make it look like a kid's thing. It's pretty sweet, but all of a sudden they realize that they're competing in essentially kids games. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't succeed in the kids game, you get murdered. Yeah. And, and, and then all of a sudden, and then they have a lot of infighting. You get to know the characters and, and everything. And it's just, it's something that was kind of messed up. Uh, and, and it made me think of two different things. One, there's not enough of these films that kind of like this, this rich versus poor exploiting desperate people. Like I was thinking about, do you remember what's the ice tea one that was basically the hard target version where you, they hunt, uh, or was like it rich people. surviving the game? Is that the survive? One? Yeah, surviving yeah, yeah. the game, yeah. which is essentially the same as Hard yeah. Target. Right, which right. Was essentially the same yeah. as there was a couple of these yeah. ones where it was basically, hey, we're going to recruit poor people, and if they can finish the game, we're going to pay them, and then rich people hunt them. Right. Yeah. And I, and I kind of it made me think, and you and I were talking about it. Like, I honestly think that there's something there. Like, there are people are like the, the outright. I asked you, do you think if I said for a million bucks? There's two people play Russian roulette against each other. The winner gets a million bucks. I don't think it would be that hard to find two takers. Yeah, absolutely. People would kill other people in many parts of the world for like five or 10 grand. So yeah. if so, people were like, if people were <laughs> sacrificing their own life for, for a million bucks, yeah, absolutely. You'd get a bunch of people. To do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what made me think of, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think this is too unreal. Like the, the actual idea of getting desperate people who are pile, like they're, they have too much debt on them. They're, they think their life sucks. They're depressed and say, Hey, I'm going to give you a way out here. You can win a lot of money. All you got to do is finish it. And then they find out like, oh shit, if I don't actually succeed, I could die. Cause yeah. then they, they actually give them an out in the game. They're like, okay, they're all in. They're like, Hey, fine. If you guys all want to quit, go ahead and quit. And then they all quit. And of course, if the majority wants to come back, they come back. And, yeah. and then they all come back. Like pretty much all of them come back. And it's different too, because it's like, um, you know, a lot of the movies that are set up this way, it's like criminals that are forced into it. It's got like a escape from New York sort of scenario or a running man kind of scenario, but this one's different if it's like voluntary or it's like, we need money real bad. Yeah. Like, like there's desperate people. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff like running man, like you said, um, uh, would you rather kind of goes in there. And I think of all these movies and there's not really a lot of them. I mean, there, there's enough of them, but not a lot. But I was like, you know, this is this, this doesn't get explored as much as vampires or 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 or, or werewolves. It's, it's a cool this whole idea. But then I also kind of thought about the other thing about like the whole idea of a game show that like in the future, if you could set a game show in the future, this literally is like now because I, I remember hearing football players talk about there's a little bit of a sidetrack, but like football players were like like they were interviewing a bunch of them saying like, Hey, why do you play? You know, about all those concussions, you know, about this, you're shortening your life by blah, 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 blah. And a lot of them are like, I totally understand that, but I'm setting up my family. And so they're, oh, yeah. they're because they're kind of like modern day gladiators mm-hmm. saying, look, I understand that I'm sacrificing myself to do this, but I'm setting up my family to come. And I was like, that that's I, I in, in the future, I could see game shows that like legitimately like a running man, maybe not exactly like right, a running right. man, but I could see that being a thing. Like people do it. Like we're not that far off about torturing people like survivor and all that type of shit isn't too yeah. far off. Like I for an think- athlete, there's more of a risk, um, obviously of, of injury. Yeah. Uh, but, but then again, like athletes have careers like rock stars. It's like about like five years or so like that. Yeah. So like, whereas the average career is like 20 years or so until somebody gets to retire. Well, now it's like 
50 years until you get to retire. But yeah. it used to be like that. So if you can shorten that, yeah, it's 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 worth the risk. And when I was working in a restaurant, I almost killed myself over minimum wage with a like friggin' sandwich slicer or the meat slicer, you know? There's <laughs> yeah. there's several implements of death, like in a kitchen, like a mom and pop kitchen or a, or like a corporate kitchen. And I was just thinking of like horror movies the entire time I was working there. I was like, yeah, I could kill myself with that. Somebody else could kill me with this. I could easily have an accident, slice my fingers off. A million different ways to die in the kitchen. Actually, it is kind of funny because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can totally sympathize with that. I remember when I worked in a restaurant a million years ago, like when you're sitting working in the kitchen, you're looking mm-hmm. around. Of course, my first thing is you look mm-hmm. at it like you look at the blade. I think, oh, OK, I can see what, I can see how that's used as a tool. Again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I actually you and I wrote that script uh, Our our. Um, then uh, there's a scene in that script that you and I wrote where I remember it was like we had two people fighting to the death in a kitchen. And, and mm-hmm. there was a scene where they keep looking at the different stuff in the kitchen and and and, and like contemplating the, the, the how they would kill the other person with it. It's like it's exactly that type of thing. Um, yeah, you got that meat slicer and you're not looking. You know, you're just like, let's say like you're watching TV or something like you're watching Squid Game on Netflix and you're slicing the ham and you're just like not looking at the hand. All of a sudden there go your fingers. In that yeah, thing. that's what it's designed to do. That's <laughs> yeah. what it's designed to do. Um, so anyhow, I mean, the squid game, squid game, is, it's a good introduction to like, the, the other thing about it is it's not something you would see an American filmmaker or, or, or studio doing. It just doesn't have the look and feel that, that, that they would, they would do it. They explore stuff. Things look different. It's a really cool look. So if you haven't seen squid game, look it up on Netflix and find it. But I do like, I, it made me think about the, that whole idea of game shows and people basically sacrificing themselves for others' pleasures. And, and there's, again, there's this big, what I did like is the the rich, they do introduce this rich versus poor thing where it's like, these are a bunch of poor, desperate people and they're, and they're basically entertainment for rich people to, uh, to, to watch them fight to the death type of thing. They're all really cool themes that I don't think, I mean, you do see rich versus poor. What's that recent one? You out, you're the encyclopedia. What's the one we just watched like a couple months ago where it's those guys try to go, they're catering in a, in a house of rich people. And it turns out all the rich people are, are actually psychopath murders. Um, oh, monster party. Yeah. Monster party. Yeah. So it's like, it does get explored in some indie films now, but it's such a good theme. Like, like, like super rich people are like, they're out of the gate, bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah. like everyone's like, what the fuck are these people up to? Uh, we talked about it before on um, uh, mosquito uh, um, oh, the the mosquito, mosquito state, mosquito state. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's like it's like instantly there's these rich people you know they're up to no good mm-hmm. and it's kind of like they're just a good bad character and then the idea of these desperate people and stuff i think there's a lot to explore like if you're a filmmaker that whole idea of just rich versus poor and, and these the desperate people game shows and like stuff it's it's just a cool concept i would highly recommend checking out squid game totally yeah. worth totally worth it now, I like the idea of a limited series too, because like I find myself not watching the Netflix ones that are like 10. And I, even though I think it's lazy that they don't do more, mm-hmm. there's so much shit to watch right now. I would, I would rather watch like a four episode limited series. Cause I could actually finish it. I would be more prone to watch it to finish. Cause I could know I could finish it, you know, rather than yeah. get distracted and watch something else. Yeah. It's a great format that I yeah. think like is going to, like you're thinking about only streaming could make this yeah. happen. Like, yeah. like, cause it doesn't work for TV. There's not enough ads they could sell to make it work. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and you can't make a five hour film, right. Like that, yeah. that's, that, that gets this amount of content, but a limited series that's perfect for streaming. And I think 
and it, and it helps them uh, like deleverage the risk on 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 like they don't have to make a twenty two episode. Season. Yeah, and Netflix pads a lot of their series too. So like you feel like it's it's different, but there's a lot of series that feel like they would work better as shorter episodes rather than be like the eight or ten. Uh, and I would much rather have the series work better than have like filler episodes that feel like they don't work and and fuck up the pacing of it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, good. limited good. series are awesome. Like yeah. I just like, and it's also you find yeah. one and you can crank through it. Like Squid yeah. Game, I got through that in a few days. I watched that clickbait, which has oh yeah, I started good. watching that one. That's actually pretty good. I like it's that pretty good. It has yeah. some twists and turns, but I was like, this couldn't exist as a it couldn't exist mm-hmm. as a twenty two episode. It's not going to be like that. But as a limited series, it really works. Yeah. I love the format. Anyhow, uh, Squid Game, check it out. On to you. What was uh, what's on your radar? What did you? Well, did you, you know, I was. Through? I was sort of shifting gears because like last uh, when your computer, oh, by the way, welcome back to the internet after your yeah, computer thank you. died. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, like, as an FYI for anyone who's listening, we, yeah. were, we were we were recording or we attempted to record, was it yeah. just last week or two weeks ago? Oh, uh, I can't remember. I don't even know. I can't, I can't recall. But literally, <laughs> literally two minutes into attempting to record it, my computer yeah. literally blew up, like smoke yeah. out of the sides, like out of a cartoon, <laughs> blew up. And I basically was using the equivalent of a Nokia flip phone to, to per- cruise the internet for four or five days until I got a new computer. So I'm, yeah. I'm just coming back. Because technology and- used to be, yeah. used to be made to like last forever. Now it's made to be replaced every couple of years. So yeah. Well, it doesn't help when you spill booze on it consistently. Yeah. And, and you know, like that doesn't help. Um, but yeah, it, it, it blew up completely and, that was it. The Dead Harvey podcast blew up my laptop. Remind so. me to get myself an app to teach my computer how to drink. Yeah, how to actually <laughs> yeah. properly consume mm-hmm. it instead of just soak it up into the <laughs> <Yeah>. RAM chips. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, what's on your radar? I, I I have not seen this one. I know what you're going to talk about, but so um, well, I got kind of shift gears because I was thinking about it right when you were when you were talking about the concept of Squid Game because uh, I sort of described like what Prisoners of the Ghostland was like. This is the Nick Cage yeah. movie because when I was talking about movies to look forward to um, last week for the September movies, I mentioned uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland was my most anticipated one, uh-huh. but like it ended up being very kind of like meandering and I just didn't like. I was like, oh, what the hell? The pacing was all screwed up. But there's a bunch of weird shit in it. And uh, Nick Cage is in it, and he gets one of his testicles wrapped, ripped off, and he screams testicle. And there's a bunch of weird, like, um, Japanese, like, there's, like, all these, this is a Japanese director. I think it's his first American movie. He did Cold Fish and then Suicide Club, which is actually a fantastic Suicide movie. Suicide Club is awesome. Yeah, but, Suicide Club. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's awesome. That, that one's amazing. I haven't seen his other ones. But um, I think this is his first American one. It felt like it was a very weird translation. Actually, I forgot it. about Su- Suicide Club has that super disturbing opening with, the, yeah. with the, all the kids in the mm-hmm. subway. And then, yeah. like, so all the kids are hanging around, and all of a sudden, just out of the blue, they all like jump on the subway tracks and get like just run over and murdered. Right? Isn't that the opening? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's that, a fun. It's a yeah, great, it's a it's great. A great but like, I, I've done deep dives into Japanese films and Korean films and stuff like that, and it, it's, it's part of their culture that's that's suppressed that comes out yeah. in 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 in, in, mm-hmm. in in film like that. Totally worth checking out. Is suicide uh, suicide? That's that's awesome movie. But uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Suicide Club is a must. I would say absolutely see that one. This one, I would say just just see if you're like a Nick Cage fan or a completist on there. Which, which is most people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so I mean, it's it's definitely worth watching for all the weird shit, but it does meander all over the place, and it the pacing's way off in it, and it feels like it was just like I 
dro- kind of dropped out of the movie a lot or kind of got distracted throughout the movie a lot. But there's all these awesome. like, the posters. Badass. Oh, yeah. But there's all these weird like I mean, and there is some some like gore and stuff like that, but it doesn't really happen until towards like the very end. Uh, the fact that Nick Cage can still fight when his testicle ripped out is they don't even bother explaining that. It's just like but he, there's like some weird vision kind of stuff and some really bizarre like like uh, like all like the Japanese characters, like the villagers will be like singing and they'll like put their heads like through these little windows and sing these weird songs. There's all kinds of like freaky stuff like that. And the fact that you have Bill Mosley uh, looking like Colonel Sanders. Chop Top and Nick Cage in the same <laughs> yeah. movie is a pretty cool thing. I don't think yeah, that's unfortunately, that's... the end sort of fizzles out when they get to like the main battle with them and everything. But I mean, there's just like a lot of like random weird shit in it, but it's all over the place. But I would say, yeah, but I would say maybe wait till it gets, I've paid like $6.99 for it. I'll be like, uh, maybe wait till it gets to like, 99 cent or if you just like want like the weird visuals and the fact nick cage is in it go ahead and rent it but i found it to be pretty freaking all over the place yeah or Um, or when it inevitably ends up on like roku or tubi yeah but i would like to uh endorse this movie that i saw which i was just thinking about when you were talking about this last one which is called because it's a similar setup it's called puppet monster massacre it's about this uh it's about these all puppets, and it's like a total like micro budget movie. So I think it's it's great to endorse this. I saw it on Tubi. Yep. It's these all these puppets that get invited to this mansion. The setup's like a house on haunted hill. They could win a million dollars if they spend the night at this mansion. There's a monster in there, and there's like Nazi scientist stuff going on in there. Um, and then there's this giant like uh, monster that comes out and eats everybody. But it's like all like uh, low. The writing's like actually pretty funny and it's very uh, un pc but it's really funny mm-hmm. but there's and the, the the puppets are like very sesame street like which makes it even more hilarious uh, but all the backgrounds are like total like micro budget cgi so you can tell this is just like what somebody did with just like some puppets in front of a green screen throughout the whole movie and they just sort of made up their own backgrounds like what would normally cost a bunch of money like with a mansion and then like yeah, the the mansion. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's just like you know they did with whatever budget they had in it but i found it to be pretty entertaining and i like to and we've been talking about endorsing more like micro budget movies yeah. here. So that's what I'd say. Definitely watch on Tubi with a couple of beers. Hell yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you, you get when you, when you expect that, I mean, my, my I hate it when, it did, when, when, when <laughs> yeah. you can tell the CG is, 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 is trying to be good yeah. and it's not, but when it's not trying, like, like half the shark movies out there, when it's just yeah. like the worst CG shark that's jumping out of like a <laughs> <Yeah>. stream, <laughs> like, yeah. I, 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 I laugh at it, but it actually helps, helps as opposed to hurt. So no, <laughs> I'm, I'm totally down with that. Uh, that's awesome. And now I'm kind of excited to talk about what I guess our main subject is. And hopefully there's a bunch of films we talk about that people can check out because uh, these were all really a lot of what we're going to talk about were influential movies that, that, that I watched during film school that, that, that I thought were awesome. Some of them like are still, still today. When you, when you think about some of the ones like the Scorsese stuff, that's early. It's like still today as well. Some of my favorite shit. Um, and what we're going to talk about is uh, uh, sort of that underground New York city, almost exploitation type films. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about it because we were the basket case came up because it kind of because of malignant yeah uh, mal- mm-hmm. and malignant has a lot of basket case type stuff and if you haven't seen the original basket case or basket case two or basket case three uh by frank Lauder, go check them out they're awesome particularly the first basket case mm-hmm. i mean he got budget for two and three 
but one is just awesome because it's no budget and it's, it's i don't know if it's head and water i think it was like 30 it. grand or something like oh, that just, yeah, yeah yeah and it's just low but the, like the puppet in it the, the, the ball oh, it's awesome and it has like stop motion cool like like when you go watch it again it's got like cool like stop motion shit like when the when the puppet's like freaking out in the room yeah. there's like all this great like stop motion shit when he's like moving around because you can tell like nobody could puppeteer him because you're showing like the, a longer shot of this puppet just trashing this room yeah. so it's stop motion they do cool shit like that yeah. in there as well too but. yeah so so we we, we kind of thought that Henry Lauder might not be enough to talk about although he probably is and then we kind of thought like hey we could talk about all this new york city shit that that kind of because it, because it's very like if you look and we could do another chat about the stuff that was going on in california because like corman was very california arkoff and the other b movies that were going on were very and you can tell because they're on these big sets or they're on big locations all this new york city stuff is very city oriented yeah. and, and they're very dirty, like, yeah. dirty yeah, yeah. and grimy <laughs> and, and and the reason i talk about scorsese is because i think both taxi driver and mean streets really yeah. kind of have they, they nailed that look and feel um although it's scorsese so we're talking about bigger films uh although i think mean streets is pretty low budget i originally. think so yeah, yeah. well but, and it and it has like that just it has more like that authentic sort of indie movie feel because it has like that dirtier like that grainier film look and the streets are all dirty and everything I, I, yeah i just yeah. remember i just remember watching mean streets and thinking like fuck mm-hmm. this is awesome like yeah. and, and all it really has to be is a dude with a 16 millimeter camera on his shoulder mm-hmm. and some guy with a boom mic and we're watching harvey Keitel and, and and de niro walk and run and gun and i remember doing student mm-hmm. films just trying to film it the exact same way you can see his inspiration too yeah because yeah. he's basically like even in his later movies like mm-hmm. casino and stuff when he's he's walking with people through big scenes now of course he's using steady cams and big rigs later on but it's super shaky and super indie originally and and i just remember thinking that that like the scenes and stuff were great so head and water came from that the other guy that came from that is abel ferreira um <laughs> yeah. who's, who's done some awesome stuff <laughs> a, a driller killer if you haven't seen it. i think he made driller yeah. killer for like 10 grand like, yeah it was nothing and, and and Abel Ferrer actually has a super low budget uh, upbringing from if you like read about him, but he went on to do some really awesome shit like Bad Lieutenant, all grimy, grimy city underground shit. Yeah, and I tell you that like so this every time I think of Bad Lieutenant, it was like a bunch of us in college were like obsessed with that movie. But there was one kid on my yep. dorm floor that was really obsessed with it, and he would just keep his door open and he would just play a loop of all the most offensive scenes in Bad Lieutenant. Like, you know, when I'm like the scenes where like Kyle Harvey Keitel is like naked. So you'd like walk by his room, his door would be open. You just hear like like Harvey Keitel naked screaming. Out, or then, like when he's when, when Keitel is like whacking it outside of the outside of the car, all the most offensive stuff. And it's like every day this kid would have it on like a five minute loop of these offensive scenes. And people would just like walk by and look at each other. Like, what the hell? What's wrong? With this it was kid? a very offensive movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and actually, comically, didn't they make Bad Lieutenant Tenant 2 with Nick well, Cage? With Nick Cage, yeah. With and Nick Warner Cage, Herzog, right? like, yeah, Nick Cage, all Warner Herzog did the remake to that. Yeah. All roads lead to Nick Cage somewhere. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah. And then uh, and then the other kind of big, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many New York, <laughs> yeah. there's so much New York shit. Mm-hmm. The other one that obviously you can't talk about New York mm-hmm. in, the, in the underground film without mentioning Lloyd Kaufman and Troma because mm-hmm. all, all that shit is New York too. And then there's tons, there's tons. If you kind of do a deep dive on this stuff, it was, it, it's, it's, it's really kind of cool shit. So, so first off basket case, we got to talk about yeah. basket case. So for those who don't know the plot of basket case, it's fucking awesome. Essentially there was a guy who was a Siamese twin and uh, they're like, okay, we're going to separate you so you can leave a nor- lead a normal life. But you know, one of you has to die. And so yeah. they decide to cut off, brother belial and basically they they cut him off have a successful surgery and throw belial the brother into basically a, the garbage can or the basket 
and, and then, but he doesn't die, <laughs> but he's kind of like just a bust. He's like, just from kind of like the shoulders up kind of thing. It doesn't have legs. He's kind of like, yeah, I was always wondering like, cause in the later basket yeah. case movies, like he, he actually has does sex. Change like, a bit. like the puppet has sex, like with another puppet that's like him in the later yeah. basket case movies. But there's like no like there's no legs or any like bottom part. No, to it. It's just it's just like torso. So I'm wondering how this happens. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> yeah, he's also kind of mutated too. Yeah. Like he's got little hands. So anyhow, they cut him off, put him in the basket. Mm-hmm. Of course, because they're brothers, the uh, he 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 grabs them like and yeah. and and so they're like a team, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and Belial, the the evil, you know, Siamese twin that lives in the basket, is is like basically coercing the other guy into doing nasty deeds and or he's covering up i can't remember it's like like belial's killing a bunch of people and then his brother has to cover up what's going on and they're kind of like working together but it's like it's a great concept what happens to the siamese twins after after yeah like, it's a good horror concept but it's, also, it's just very grungy and dirty and and, and like the, the movie itself is just <laughs> fucking awesome you, if you can't you yeah. gotta find i don't know where you find basket case oh it, it's on a couple spots like it's on uh it's on tubi now like tubi has the arrow release of it oh. out there it's also they put it back on shutter too so i think both basket case and uh, frankenhooker are on shutter and then frankenhooker yeah. is a fantastic movie too but at least uh basket case is on tubi you can check it out there for free if you don't have shutter there and, you go yeah, yeah, there, there you i'm go. thinking it was puppet discrimination that he died because the doctors are like well let's see we got this human oh he's like a near grown yeah. human and then we got this puppet with like glowing red eyes and uh disformed uh, figure so we're <laughs> going to save the human and kill the puppet, puppet yeah what should we do with the puppet put, put him, <laughs> just, they, and they don't even give him the common decency of putting him down they just throw him in the, <laughs> <All right. laughs> they just throw him in the basket <laughs> Yeah, I love like the, like how low budget the surgery is and everything too. It's oh, great. I mean, the whole well, it's just like that design of Belial is so awesome. He's such a freaky ass looking puppet, and then his eyes glow red whenever he gets pissed off. And then he has like this. What else is what else parallels itself with Malignant? Um, spoiler alert for Malignant. Malignant basically has like instead of a con- well, it's a conjoined twin, but the conjoined twin gets cut out. But they're still part of. They couldn't remove all of it, so they're still part of the conjoined twin in the back of her head. So when the when the twin like freaks out and decides to to come out to play, it rips open the back of her head and it comes out, and you just see its face come out of there. Oh. But it, it, it's like telling her things. It's telling her like what to do, and it's making mm-hmm. her see things. And in the movie Basket Case, um, there's that same sort of telepathic bond that they have with each other. They can communicate when they're not uh, joined anymore a hundred percent yeah and, and i think and it's like going back to that new york city underground thing what makes a lot of it work is like they're going around the streets of new york right and, yeah and it's just there's something about like that run and gut indie yeah. style in the streets of new york that just makes it feel i don't know more real and like it's just like it's such a cool setting especially when you're talking about you know 16 millimeter film and and and, and doing shit like that um and and so to to, to flip over to abel ferrer and driller killer like I don't, I think Driller Killer was done for next to nothing, and but because it was in New York, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 like I just remember watching it, going, "This is fucking great." And all it all it was was a guy killing people with a drill. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. That's essentially very slumber party massacre, like, but without the slumber party. Yeah, without the slumber party, yeah. and just a dude going around killing people with a drill, and 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 and, and it's aptly named Driller Killer. But yeah, but I think it was literally made for like ten for nothing. But there's something about it being set in New York and 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 the, the style that they did it with. And Abel Ferreira went on to make awesome shit, like we said, like Bad Lieutenant and everything. Yeah. Now, and, and uh, King, King of New York with uh, Christopher Walken. That is my oh, favorite yeah. line in any uh, Abel Ferreira movie. It's like there's somebody asking Christopher Walken like why he does what he does, and he's like, I never killed anyone that 
didn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep laughing thinking about that. Now, I, we, now I want to get to Lloyd Kaufman, mm-hmm. uh, and, but trauma is kind of a different animal. And there's a couple other guys like a movie that I like came out in early 2000s called uh, Mulberry Street. Uh, yeah, Jim Mickle. Yeah, from Jim Mickle. Mm-hmm. Very like it has that same feel. I think he I think we're talking 2006 and he did Mulberry Street for like 50, 60 grand. Super low budget. If I remember correctly, it's one of his first films. He did it in his own apartment building. So he used his apartment as a set and then like redid the, his own apartment to make it look mm-hmm. like multiple people's apartments and just kept refilming in his own apartment and did it for next to nothing. And I believe were they mutant rats or something like they were stuck. I think their mutant rats were taken over New York and they were stuck in this apartment building, but it was fucking awesome. And it had that same feel it's just because it's in New York and you're in apartments and you have these New York characters. It was, it, 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 I remember watching it going, it has that same feel as driller killer and, mm-hmm. and, and all that different shit, but he went on, he did some pretty cool shit. He did stake land, which was another low budget um, yeah. film, but he, he went up from there. Like uh, Jim. Oh Michael, yeah. We are, yeah. we are who we are, what we are. We are, like we are what Campbell we are. Yeah. yeah. Which is Campbell family that had budget. Um, and now he's behind shit. Like he did that sweet tooth, which is on Netflix. He did. Yeah. He did sweet tooth. Before that he did the happen Leonard series, uh, which yeah. is based off of one of my all time favorite authors, Joe Lansdale. He did the cold in July uh, movie, which is a great movie, which, uh, um, Dexter is in Michael C. Hall. And then, oh, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also Sam Shepard, check out cold in July. That's a really cool, like noir movie. Yeah. I mean, look at Jim Mickle. Like, I think he's, if you talk about, coming from from nothing like like mulberry street check out mulberry street see what you can do for 50 60 grand obviously that's 15 years ago so that's probably the equivalent of like 100 grand now but still that's super low budget for Mm -hmm. to 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 make what he made so check out check out mulberry street and he's gone on to do some pretty cool stuff um oh real quick rats um uh that reminds me because uh um paul michael bullen who we interviewed uh, about the like the nonsense oh yeah so he had a story he used to like deliver like rats are very real terror in new york because he used to install cable so he like he was going under some crawl space and installing some cable and this giant rat came out and attacked them and he bludgeoned it to death and so he had to take you have to take these rats in a paper bag and you have to take them to like the hospital or like the animal control center or whatever it is and he brought and he said it was a massive monster ass rat and he was like he's like this thing like like it was at least a foot and he brought it in and he brought it to the lady and in the bag. And then she goes, Oh, he's just a baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like yeah. those movies, like of unknown origin or Mulberry street yeah. may not be too far off. You know? No. And by the way, I thought of another, and I believe it's a New York film that just reminded me of it is maniac cop. Oh uh, yeah. Holmes. William Lustig. That's another yeah. guy. Joe Bob Briggs had him on the show and he's talking about maniac cop. And he used to talk about how he used to go see uh, those movies on that famous theater on 42nd street yeah which is yeah. the grand yeah 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 so maniac cop maniac cop 2 and maniac cop 3 are another... and also maniac which is another lustig movie as well too that uh was he remade loves the word he loves the word maniac. Maniac. yeah yeah <laughs> uh maniac cop maniac maniac cop 2 yeah. and maniac cop 3 are, are again in this kind of thing it's like i have no idea what the budget of i can't look it up maniac cop uh, they had a budget of a million, which is actually mm-hmm. yeah. pretty, pretty big for back taking place in New York and, and, and keeping that sort of that same mm-hmm. style. Maniac Cop is an awesome mm-hmm. indie horror film out of New York. Uh, yeah. William Lustig, uh, written and produced by Larry Cohen. Yeah. Uh, who is a big New York, uh, producer guy who did a lot of these different, um, a lot of these different. Yeah. Cue the wing serpent, the stuff, like some, some really cool stuff. Oh, it's a lie. That's one of my favorite Cohen movies. Yeah. It was really cool about the killer baby. 
Yeah. I mean, what, um, anyhow, so Cohen was a big, like, so this vibe you see, I mean, and, and Maniac Cult really digs on that same vibe that you see from stuff like, uh, like those Scorsese films. It's like, it's that gritty, just something about that, 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 that look and feel and making shit happen. Now there's two other places we can go here before we kind of wrap on this. One is like, that sort of black exploitation film stuff really came out of New York and the East Coast. It, like, like um, we were talking before about Melvin Van Peoples because he recently died. Um, I think he was a Chicago guy, but but moved to New York and did a lot of did a lot of shit. But he had uh, his 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 original feature was Watermelon Man, which was yeah. which was awesome. But then uh, uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song was his was kind of the big one. And he really launched black exploitation. But do, taking place in the city was really kind of the, what made those things work as well as yeah. they did, right? Oh, and, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was definitely like total guerrilla filmmaker. And his son, Mario Van, Van Peebles, made a movie about his father where he played his father. Mm-hmm. Kind of about like his father's life story, which is cool. Yeah, no, yeah, so RIP, Melvin Van Peebles, very influential indie director. Yeah, and so we were talking about, yeah, because we talked about that. It's like if you're going to talk about the New York and the East Coast filmmakers and the sort yeah. of underground stuff, really that black exploitation and exploitation type film really came out of all that. Um, yeah, Larry Chicago, Cohen wrote uh, Black Caesar as well, too. Yeah, I mean, so all of these are pretty sweet, um, sweet films. Now, of course, we're going to leave the last big New York underground um, filmmaker, uh, which is one of your favorites, uh, and you've met him, is Lloyd Kaufman and Troma. Now, what's interesting about Lloyd Kaufman and, and Troma is that they do, first off, let's make no mistake, they, they are underground. They are, uh, they've, they've been around forever. They're still doing shit. Um they did less, like, I'm trying to think back. There were certain films that they did that were kind of took place in the city. But if I think of stuff like uh, Toxic Avenger, yeah. I guess it takes place in the city, but it doesn't have that same vibe. But this is, he's a very hardcore New York underground filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think of shit like... Toxic uh, Avenger is the first superhero from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's from New Jersey. So it's like... Um, true and like i'm trying to think of uh what was the high school one class of newcomb high yeah yeah great like class of newcomb high these all still kind of have that vibe Mm -hmm. that they have that i mean in my head like i can't put my finger on it but if i I think of the underground new york shit versus say what came out of la at the same time Mm -hmm. i love them both but new york really had a a, a, this vibe like sergeant kabuki man nypd yeah they have more of the grungy sort of documentary look to them like like most of the the trauma movies like uh-huh. even in like the like 2020s, still look like 70s movies. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, they still but, look but that, it's, it's kind of what's awesome about them. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember, like you get this kind of, and, and I'm looking at their the list, and I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that. Oh, came I out love Poultry Guys too. Poultry <laughs> Guys is Poultry awesome. Guys came a little later. Night of uh, the Chicken Dead. Yes, yes, much much later. Yeah. Much much later. Surf yeah. Nazis Must Die. Although I believe yeah. they filmed mm-hmm. that. That felt that was a California movie yeah. because it was it was awesome. Uh, all the toxic offenders at Troma's War, Tromeo Juliet, yeah, um, uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man, mm-hmm. uh, there's so much good shit that came out of them, and they're very all underground, all, 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 well, I don't want to say underground, but super indie, very New York. Like, isn't his wife like the head of the indie New York, uh, yeah, Pat, yeah, Pat Kaufman, I believe she's the head of the New York Film Department, or um, she's the executive director of the New York State Governor's Office for Motion Picture and Television Development. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty, so it's pretty funny to think that someone with that official of a title mm-hmm. 
is male is married to the guy who <laughs> did Tromeo and Julia. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And yeah. So Lloyd, Lloyd, uh, did well married up there. Um, and he can get, he married someone that get him like permits and get him into places he couldn't get in normally. And, and yeah. it could sort of smooth things over for him. Like whenever he's causing trouble, which is often, yeah. uh, they have, they have some good stories about the shenanigans that happened during Trauma's war and all those other movies that they did full guerrilla style and got in trouble for. Um, but I had to, I actually had some drinks with, uh, Sergeant Kabuki man when they, when it was, <laughs> When it was uh, Toxie 4, when Toxie 4 came out, they did like a, a crawl, like across the Sunset Boulevard. So they went to all these places and there was a, and we went to the premiere of it and Sergeant Kabuki Man was there and I bought some Sergeant Kabuki Man a drink and he didn't have any money for drinks and he was all like, <laughs> now. So I hope I, I cheered him up that day. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's awesome. <laughs> Fuck, and, and Lloyd Kaufman is still cranking out mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. Um, and the guy's 75 years old now. Yeah like that's pretty it's pretty right he'll he's still making like schlock which is which is the best part about it yeah lloyd kaufman is one of the few people who's actually been in more movies than nick cage i think uh he's been in like if you look at his resume on imdb he's been in like i mean at least like 250 movies well that's kind of was his that was kind of his thing like he's like like just disgusting self-promotion was his, his <laughs> yeah. part of his deal i remember like when, when i talked to him he goes hey uh do you want to help me with a book uh, i have some other guys like helping me with a book right now i mean you're not going to make any money or anything, but I will, I'll, I'll it'll be great <laughs> exposure is all about like that. But he's hilarious. Like he'll, um, and he'll also like be in like so many people's movies. I don't know if he still does that, but he's very like, he's very cool about helping indie people out. he's like, he's like, what, what do you need to have your art be done today? He's like, just let us know. And then I got to ask him about like independent film and everything. And then he, yeah. he came up with all this like weird stuff, but he's very uh, entertaining and he's very like indie, indie friendly to people he's very supportive of other independent filmmakers so he's done quite a bit to help out other people uh probably not financially but uh, like acting their movies for free or like give them exposure or or just like go and like be interviewed and stuff he's really cool about stuff like that yeah i mean he, he got i've mm-hmm. always thought like i know people have had interactions with him mm-hmm. and stuff but i mean i've always thought like I mean, he's doing something right he's still cranking yeah. out movies he's always believed in being outside mm-hmm. of the system yeah right? like he's he's, oh, yeah. Not, he's all and he's always he's fighting for every film to get made he supports mm-hmm. every other indie filmmaker out there and he's never made like even if you look at abel for yeah. and lauder and and all these other guys who did that or or, or or nickel they all kind of worked their way up to do legitimate shit lloyd never i don't think did never did worm his way out of doing indie schlock but i don't know yeah. if he ever wanted to worm his way out of doing indie schlock like that's his thing he likes to make indie schlock well the funny thing about about lloyd too is that he's much much smarter than he puts himself off to be like he sort of has this um he has this persona of being like a pt barnum type but sort of like uh-huh. a kind of like a dumbass kind of beat pt barnum type where he's always like uh, saying stupid things, making bad puns, things like that, and he's got like the bow tie on, so he looks kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but he's but he he knows like he knows at least a couple of different languages. He's proficient in French, a bunch of other different languages. He went to either like Harvard or Yale, right. and he went to. We started like actually interviewing him. We we're going to do a book about him, and he had all these stories about how he grew up with uh, Oliver Stone, like how his parents knew Oliver Stone, and like they were friends with each other. And Oliver Stone came over and had dinner with him and all this stuff, and and he just had all these like really crazy and interesting stories but he's actually pretty smart guy yeah no i mean you got it like i said he's a little different than what mm-hmm. we originally talked about but you can't talk about underground new york and yeah. it was like yeah. him and michael hertz 
uh, that started that company, but Lloyd is always the face of it. Michael Hertz is always the behind the scene guys. You can see him if you dig around for a couple of interviews or some behind the scenes stuff, but you'll never see him. You'll usually always see Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, that, I mean, the funny thing is, I don't think Lloyd is actually wrong in his approach to shit. Like, yeah. like, like he goes to a film festival. He's like, why would I pay for marketing? I'm going to get my circus to go around and, and, <laughs> yeah. and we're just going to bang a bunch of drums and let everyone know we're here. Yeah. It, it is a PT Barnum approach to it, mm-hmm. but he does have this kind of outside. And I think like he, but he's, like I said, it's it doesn't have like when I think of stuff like Mulberry Street or Driller Killer or Basket Case and a lot of these other New Yorker, even Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, or something like awesome shit. It has a certain look and feel. Tr- Troma doesn't necessarily have that look and feel, but it's very New York and sits separate than say mm-hmm. Corman's shit or 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 the other B movies that came out of the, the California. Uh, so you can't you can't go. I mean. Honestly, if you're listening to this and haven't done a deep dive yourself into trauma films, like do yourself a favor mm-hmm. and 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 check out a couple of them, like Toxic Avenger for sure. Um, I, I mean, and then you can just kind of handpick a bunch that are in there, like like I like I said, Class of Newcomb High or, or Surf Nazis Must Die are both awesome indie indie, indie horror crap. And honestly, I think Surf Nazis Must Die or Toxic Avenger are one of the first that I kind of found at the video store when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was like. I'm gonna check this shit out and being like, what the fuck was that? I want more of it. Like, like, yeah. like, like, like it's cause it's so like so out there that you that <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I love this shit. I think some people probably watch it with like that's garbage, but hey, that took me mm-hmm. on a lifelong journey into B movies and and crap. And I've always I've always appreciated it. So yeah. I mean, yes, I mean that's kind of you know, talking about the, the New York City stuff, there's so much shit you can check out there. But if you haven't done kind of and, and really you don't have to go too far to do the deep dive on, on the New York City underground shit. Because a lot of it, what was that other guy that or we used to we, it was like previously when we were doing the blog? Ah, oh, fuck, what was the guy's name? And he just he he cranked out like movies for nothing. He was he was based in New York. Um had a had a fake name. You're not talking about the guy that you always talk about, the Bills Above guy, right? Bills Above. Yeah. <laughs> he was a new york guy he's also a new jersey guy and i'm gonna put yeah. new jersey guys in the same boat as new york guys yeah. even though we can it's very tough to compare mm-hmm. bills above to martin scorsese yeah but they do have a link and 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 bills above i'm looking him up now he is still making movies in mm-hmm. fact in 2021 he's already done two dickless zombies and dumb and Dahmer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and and he cranked out but i think he's another i mean it's something about the sets and the the things that you get out there that i remember watching bills above yeah it's like actually bills above is in new jersey he's always off in the the woods filming Mm -hmm, shit. but i don't know bills above is another that it really like you got to go it it, it, he's hilarious you could do a I don't even know how he does it. I remember you and I used to like laugh when he would send, he would send us movies and, and like the, the titles are just meant to be like, okay, I got to check this out. Although he did a bunch of legitimate heavy metal documentaries. Yeah. Early oh, that's on. right. Yeah. And he I, did a and bunch I, of legitimate ones, but then he did stuff like <laughs> nightmare on Elmo streets. Uh, oh, nightmare on Elmo street. That's, I remember there was like some trailer for that. I don't, oh, know, I gotta I look this one up. I don't know how I stumbled across it. It was like, Oh, that's Bill's above. Oh my God! Okay, well, here's one that we the, the, the Dick Shark, uh, which is about a uh, penis enlargement cream that goes wrong and turns a guy's dick into a small shark. 
Well, see, that's what we were talking about. How like maybe he was like uh, he's jumping on the shark train. Yeah, he's way ahead ahead <laughs> so of the curve. When did Dick Shark the... come out? Was it like before? Oh, the no, curve? we're to 2016, 2016. Okay, right on. So that was before like even like the the new new wave of uh, right. shark movies that came out recently, like all the stuff now. Uh, I mean, no, no, no. Like talking, bef- up, yeah. talking about Bills above. I don't know how you find Bills above movies now. Like, like I don't even know if fucking. Tubi is going to take most of these, but um, well, he's got some kind of reach because I was listening to an interview the other day that Chris Gore was on, and he mentioned Bill Zabub, and I thought I was like, I thought that guys like us were talking about him, but Chris Gore from Film Threat was apparently yeah. as entertained as we are, man. So oh, he was, he's uh, been doing it for twenty, years, <laughs> yeah, twenty years. And um, so there is, so there's another. I mean, and there's by the way, there's tons of these guys that are that that that, they, that are New York City underground guys. I mean, yeah, I'm talking about but more about the origins than Bill Zabub. Like I'm talking about the Abel Ferris and Frank mm-hmm. Hellwaters of the world. Like, yeah, but um, but yeah, yeah, go check out. Go to IMDb. Look Bill Zabub up and um, <laughs> just check out the laundry list and and hilarious yeah, yeah. titles of of, <laughs> of low budget shit that he's done. Uh, and 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 quite frankly, they're entertaining. We've, we've yeah. That we, we, we've checked out uh, a few of his flicks mm-hmm. uh so yeah th- i mean hopefully we mentioned some some titles and filmmakers in there that can give you guys some uh inspiration and hopefully um you know if there's a filmmaker out there i think if you re- look at this shit and see how they utilize the city and utilize guerrilla filmmaking uh, and making it look the way it looks i think it's an awesome look and feel and i think it was born out of all this stuff um yeah, I, I, I like the the New York City underground films that came out of the eighties, nineties, seventies. It's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's kind of all I got on this. You got anything else to add before we uh, take off? Oh yeah, I was gonna say I think well, Ms. Forty Five is on Shutter now. I just saw it out of there. I think that was kind of a more difficult one to find before. I think it was a little bit more rare. It wasn't really on the streaming platforms, and that one just got added recently. And that's a great uh, revenge movie, great like gritty revenge movie. Um, in, the, in, the, one, in, the, in the in the tone, it's sort of like a, it's it's like I spit on your grave, last house on the left type of deal. Yeah, definitely, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. right along those those guidelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't have like a naked Harvey Keitel like in um, Bad Lieutenant, no. but, but this is a yeah, not okay. every movie's perfect. Not <laughs> no, every movie's perfect. True. Why does Harvey Keitel? Well, I guess he doesn't get naked in the new ones as much. He, there was a thing ask Lars von Trier. He'll, 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 he'll get there was a again. thing in there. Yeah, absolutely. Here's a thing where Harvey Keitel would just get naked in every movie. Um, anyways. Uh, so um, I'm, uh, I've been reading this script here, and I I, yeah. I, I can't help but notice that it doesn't call for an, a, a full frontal nudity scene. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've put in some notes here to think where we can add a full frontal nudity scene, uh, just to, you know, in case you want to do a little bit of a rewrite, mm-hmm. so I can show my dick off. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. just my thoughts. Oh, thanks, yeah. Mr. He's... Thanks, Mr. Kaito. Thanks, well, Mr. he does like showing off his ass too. So both both sides. Yeah. Thanks, Kaito. Um, yeah. So uh, this okay. There, I got like a little plug. Um, so this guy uh, reached out to us uh, on Instagram was talking about his movie. And I thought this was like actually a great idea. He's got like a crowdfunding one. I know this isn't a crowdfunding episode, but I want to mention it here. because I think it's a really cool idea. His name is Ricky Glore and just one letter away from having a perfect last name. Um, so here we go. Uh, this is called, this is on Kickstarter. Now it's called all your friends are dead. This is a horror feature films got seven days to go. It'll probably have a couple days left before we post this on here. But this on Kickstarter and the and the premise is, what if the what if the Breakfast Club grew up to be the big chill and went camping in a Friday the Thirteenth movie? You would then have all your friends are dead. In most horror movies, the teenagers are played by actors in their thirties. So why not make a slasher film where the characters are actually supposed to be in their thirties? 
I was like, that's such a simple yet awesome concept that hasn't really been done yet. <laughs> but I just thought that was that was really cool. And that is absolutely true. All the campers are in their 30s and they're playing teenagers. Why not have them actually be later? And they're going through like a reunion, like the breakfast club kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Next yeah. hour Friday the 13th or Big Chill, which I think is great. Yeah. No, it makes sense to me. Ah, all right. So um, I guess that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, maybe next time we'll talk more about like my favorite well, not my favorite shit. I love all this, but like uh, it made me think about all the Corman and Arkoff and oh yeah, and other yeah. shit that came yeah. out of the I came out of the mm-hmm. West Coast as opposed to the East Coast, and then we could talk about some of that. But well, uh, you we'll know, figure it out. We'll figure yeah, it out. Frank Hennenlauter actually did a documentary because when I was watching uh, catching up on his movies, he did a documentary on Herschel Gordon Lewis that was actually pretty cool too. Mm, cool. Yeah. Anyhow, if all this stuff uh, sounds good to you, go to deadharvey.com uh, and uh, you can follow us there and, uh, and reach out to us. Yeah. If you're an indie filmmaker and, and want us to talk about your project, uh, shoot us a note. Uh, most importantly, though, wherever you do listen to podcasts, uh, subscribe, give us a good rating. Uh, that helps us get more listeners and get more um get more stuff out there and that's really the point of all this we want more indie horror and more people making it and more people watching it so uh that's all we got for this week uh until next week